Welcome to the Kaleidoscope of Possibilities, Alternative Perspectives on Mental Health. My name is Dr. Adriana Popescu. I'm a licensed clinical psychologist and leader in the field of mental health, energy psychology, addiction, trauma, and empowerment. In this podcast, we will be exploring mental health from a variety of perspectives, from the spiritual to the shamanic and beyond. What if mental illness isn't everything we think it is? What if everything we see as a pathology is actually a possibility? What else is possible with mental health? Hi everyone, Dr. Adriana Popescu with you today with another episode of Kaleidoscope of Possibilities, Alternative Perspectives on Mental Health. I'm really excited today to have with me Shannon Starr. She is a board-certified psychiatric nurse practitioner, ketamine-assisted psychotherapy practitioner, and founder of Floresta a woman-owned entity for psychedelic and consciousness-based retreats. She draws upon her background in meditation, yoga, indigenous practices, functional medicine, and energy work, and has supported thousands of clients through ketamine therapy and integration. Shannon invites others to acknowledge their unique capacities and inspires choice, possibility, and transformation. Welcome, Shannon. Hi, welcome. (laughs) So happy to have you here today. This is such a hot topic these days. And I know, you know, I'm a clinical psychologist and I actually work in the addiction treatment field. And this is actually kind of a hot controversial topic in our field um, Mm -hmm. because we're finding that these medicines are really super, super powerful. And yet there's a lot of question marks. So I'm hoping to explore some of that with you today. But I'd love to first hear a little bit about you, your story, how you came to do the work that you're doing today. Yeah, happy to share. So I came a bit backwards than a lot of my colleagues. I find a lot of people move through the medical field or, you know, uh, clinician field finding that it wasn't working and then started moving into psychedelics. I started my teenage years studying meditation, consciousness, uh, and approaching this field, knowing that I wanted to create something new, create something different. So initially going in, uh, initially I started going into mental health, thinking I was going to work with it, um, you know, from, from a functional medicine space. And then I had my own experiences uh, with plant medicine and started diving deeper into that and found that through those modalities, one could create massive shifts really quickly. Uh, and also by encompassing a full embodied uh, capacity that's invited as that change is occurring. And so for me, leaning into working with ketamine therapy has been a culmination of moving through consciousness and meditation and different alternative and holistic studies that then led me to see that this is a practice that can really, truly create sustainable shifts and change in people's lives. Yeah, for sure. So for those that don't know much about it, can you tell us a little bit about what is ketamine? What is ketamine-assisted therapy all about? Absolutely. So uh, ketamine works through, um, so it's a disassociative analgesic and it works on the glutamate receptors and the glutamate receptors are excitatory receptors and they activate something called the NMDA receptors, which allow for the brain to rewire and fire a lot more quickly. And so for people with depression and they're kind of in a rut thinking about the same thing over and over again, or anxiety, they move right into that, you know, anxiety spiral 
or worrying or rumination or people with a trauma response, you know, so it's all of these automated responses. When you start to offer the medicine of ketamine, it acts as an algorithm disruptor. And so instead of having things in that automated way of relating, you can start to shift and perceive things in a totally different way. And I see this with clients over and over again, overnight, uh, instantly, which is really remarkable. Yeah. I'm, I remember when <clears throat> this kind of treatment first started being used and one of the psychiatrists at the rehab where I work basically said it's like a reset of the brain chemistry. And I thought that was so interesting that even one dose, and I know that I'm going to want to talk a little bit about, you know, how that happens. Usually there's a series of of treatments, but he was saying that even just one dose can really change the way a person's brain chemistry is functioning. And I just found that fascinating. Yeah, I, I had uh, had clients that come to me that with acute suicidality, and then the very next day, you know, those suicidal thoughts are gone. And that's even after just one treatment. Yeah, that's one of the things that they're using it for a lot, right? Is this tr what, what we call treatment resistant or refractory depression, right? When people have tried different treatments, usually medications, maybe some other things, and they're still not experiencing much change. I've noticed like a lot of people then are referred to psychedelic assisted therapies, specific, specifically ketamine, because right now it, it is in most parts of the country, the only legal drug we can actually use, right? Yeah. And another thing that I do love about this medicine compared to other psychedelics, because I hear a lot of people are like, what has you choose ketamine? And yes, it's legal, but it's also very well tolerated. Sorry, you don't need to come off your SSRIs or different medications. It's, it has very little, you know, cross interactions with this medicine. It's also very short acting. So the journey itself ends up being about an hour, hour and a half. And it's a really relaxing experience. So compared to other treatments and psychedelics, if and when they become available, uh, you know, and FDA approved and, you know, moved down that pipeline, I really appreciate ketamine. And I just did a retreat that finished yesterday and I had brand new people that have never experienced psychedelics at all. So uh, for them, you know, this is a big step uh, in, you know, choosing to work with this for their own, you know, mental wellness, you know, targets and things that they wanted to work on. And so for, for those group of people, you know, this medicine was like a, a very gentle yet very potent experience. And it brought up a lot of things. Um, I even had a, a client who had, you know, all of these like traumas come through and, and able to work through that. And that's why, you know, the set and setting of having, you know, a supportive environment is something that I find to be super uh, important and curating the whole journey in space. Again, so working with ketamine compared to other medicines, it's even though it can bring up a lot, it's still really relaxing. It's gentle. It's more predictable. We're able to, you know, create a very uh, expansive flow. So even if things that are, you know, quite intense that are coming up, it still has this very, you know, relaxing, calming effect that is synergistic with the medicine as well. You said something really key that I want to go into depth more, which is set and setting, right? Like we all know that um, ketamine, like a lot of other psychedelic drugs, um, have been used recreationally for, you know, many, many years. Ketamine in particular has been a club drug for a long time. We have a lot of people here in San Francisco that are still using ketamine in that kind of partying way. That's very different than having a guided, supportive, intentional experience. Can you say more about that. Yeah, absolutely. And so, uh, you know, it's 
ketamine can come in, in many different forms and it's, you know, still the same, you know, molecular composition. And so when we're administering it, my preference is to work with this medicine intramuscularly and I can, you know, talk about different routes uh, as well, but, you know, working with this medicine in this set and setting, you know, we have an eye mask, we have curated music, we have, you know, clinical staff, we have integration guides, we have, you know, um, you know, mental health support around, you know, whatever's coming up for the individual. And so even just simply knowing that there's people, you know, on the other side that are holding space is incredibly comforting because this medicine can, you know, really go from, you know, a gentle meditative experience to, uh, you know, complete, you know, oneness out of body experience. So, you know, if one is having that experience in a club, that can be really intense and dangerous and, you know, everything on the external environment. And, uh, you know, I couldn't even imagine it, but I, you know, of course can imagine it. <laughs> um, you know, so what we're creating, it's you, you have an eye mask on, you're tucked in, you're comfortable. We're leading people in, whether it's, you know, through breath work, journaling, guided meditation, connecting with, you know, what is it that they're looking to create? And, you know, working with this medicine, like I mentioned, with that high neuroplastic state, it, it creates this space where one can truly choose to tap into the things that they're trying to, you know, uh, and choosing to have in their life. And so when we're having that preparation space, that's then moving into the journey with music, that can be, you know, really lovely for the individual to move through whatever's coming through as well. It creates like from what I've seen with my thousands of clients, a, a truly life-changing experience that can be really, you know, healing. I have, you know, people like sometimes have like tears coming down or they're smiling or they're singing or they're, you know, moving their body, but they know that, you know, they have that space and freedom to, to do that. I imagine in a club setting, it's like, you might, you know, there's different people. There's, you know, so many things. There's noises. There's I, <laughs> lights. And, I, yeah. and Burning Man, too. You know, I mean, again, this is sort of an artifact of being in Northern California. But like, <laughs> I've had clients come to me and it may be ketamine. It may be, uh, you know, some other hallucinogen. But they'll come and say, yeah, I took this at a party at Burning Man, at a, at a club, wherever. And I had a really horrible experience. And that experience stay, can stay with them for a very long time and create all kinds of confusion or maybe depression, anxiety. It's an unintegrated experience that they really need support in processing. So can you say more about what integration is and how important it is to doing this work? Yeah. And I'll also add one other thing. So with intramuscular compared to like insufflation or snorting, which is typically what's going on in a club setting, uh, like intramuscular is it's a much and can be a much stronger experience too. So for that reason, again, it's like, you know, people may not like, you know, people likely aren't able to move when we're doing such, you know, profound doses to that, you know, intensity. So that's another thing I just wanted to add on. And then for integration. So we'll, we'll do it in a lot of different ways. Um, I like to actually give everybody a little bit of space. I don't jump right in. So typically the way I'll, I'll, you know, we have the journey, you know, people will share, you know, things as they're starting to come in uh, and then, you know, having some food or just a little bit of space and then moving into, you know, more of a, a space of integration once someone's really landed. And I do that because I find sometimes when you're still in such an expanded state, 
using words can almost like take one out of the magic of what they're perceiving. And so it's a really interesting space that I, you know, weave in and out of when I'm aware of someone landing because it's, you know, allowing them to keep, you know, expanding out. And we start using our cognitive mind and words and thinking and having it need to make sense. It can go. Yeah. So it's allowing it to keep, you know, expanding out. And so I might be like, you know, letting people just go stream of thought, letting them journal, um, you know, having them draw different things uh, to support that even, and maybe a little bit of gentle movement if they're, you know, cleared and stable to walk in that way. And then I'll come together in the format that I, I have, you know, with my retreat company, we'll come together in a group and we'll either go around in a circle, we'll do small groups or paired shares and different things like that. And I find the group experience to be just this unexplained level of value that gets created uh, in a way that's not linear. And it just ends up, you know, creating this space of, of, you know, where everybody's, you know, allowing things to be in a supportive way. And so it might be, you know, one person says something and it brings up something for someone else or someone's like, I'm not in a space for words and another person will share. And then it's like, yes, that person put words to the thing that I couldn't put words to. And so in that group space, um, you know, it really allows for this space to even be heard, to be witnessed. And a, a piece that I like to invite people into is tuning into a space of feeling seen, you know, allowing some of those barriers to melt, stepping into a space of vulnerability, you know, not for the group, but for themselves. So it's like, how vulnerable can I be? And then to have that space and then to have that mirrored back. And then another person, you know, it invites them to move into that space. And I just find this, this wave of, you know, kindness or vulnerability or sharing or, you know, unfolding uh, that just always is this like magical effect that occurs in a group and is so profound as a, you know, post-experience integration space. And then I'll do things like, you know, nourishing food, yoga. I love bringing in nature. I'm like, hanging out with the trees that don't have any points of views and I'm like okay great can we play with that um, and I bring that in a lot because a lot of times when we're working with treatments and, and journeys a lot of people will say like I did it wrong or you know comparing like this is what it's supposed to look like uh, and I really find it's it's important to to offer that space of like hey what if whatever you experience you know like what if it wasn't right what if it wasn't wrong and it's like, how can we, you know, be in that space of, you know, just allowing it to all unfold without it even needing to make sense. And so even this weekend, uh, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, I'm trying to figure it out. And I'm like, I'm like, would you just allow it to like, we're letting it all crumble. And I'm like, would you just allow it to keep crumbling instead of trying to have it make sense? And so it's this interesting dance when we're working with these medicines and ketamine, which is a disassociative medicine. So it, you know, creates this spaciousness. And then from my point of view, it's like the mind, it's like trying to make sense of yeah. it. And so it's, a, you know, in having that safe space where we're all kind of choosing to have it be so undefined and then, you know, creating some ways of, you know, moving that energy through. Yeah. That really speaks to, to me, you know, to other experiences I even had when I was younger and I was experimenting with different hallucinogens and, 
things like LSD. And I just remember having that sense of, wow, like my mind, my ego is like, like I could see beyond it. I could write, I could get in touch with my deeper knowing, my awareness, my, the, my greater infinite being self. Like those were the the experiences that I have in my, there was no way my mind that was so small could really grasp or explain or put words to anything that I was, you know, that I was experiencing. And it helped me cut through like defense mechanisms. Like I could observe myself being like, oh, that's where you put up walls and barriers. That's why you did that. And it just gave me a lot of insight. Do you find that folks who do your journeys with you have those kinds of ahas and insights that maybe they couldn't connect the dots in that way before? Yeah, absolutely. So yes, there's all of the, you know, the, the clinical neuro benefits. And then the, in the experience, I find when there's the space. So instead of like the mind always looking to come in and control when there's the space between the thoughts and then the being can enter there, I find people have all these, you know, incredible insights that come through. Uh, and then they're able to, you know, pull that out and have that integrate in their, in their day-to-day. Yeah, just part of, you know, a big piece of, you know, what the journey offers. Exactly. This possibility for like a spiritual experience or a spiritual awakening. And I, and, and with that, I want to kind of bring in this, what I'm seeing as someone kind of watching from, from the edges of what's happening in the psychedelic movement, particularly with ketamine, it's like, there's a bit of a split between practitioners that are doing it more in the way you're talking about in this very, you know, um, safe, uh, guided, uh, maybe we're even looking to have, you know, some of these kinds of experience or create a space where people can have this experience. And then I see a lot of practitioners, especially on the more medical side, really using this more like a medicine, like we're going to give you six doses of this, we're going to do an IV, which is more intense. And we're going to leave you in a room by yourself to have this medicine, this infusion, and then we'll send you on your way with like none of the preparation, none of the set and setting stuff, like the preparation, the integration. What do you think about that? That kind of split between how people are using this particular medicine? Yeah, my, my sense with that is it's really the practitioner's capacity to hold space. So you know, I've met those practitioners and and they, a lot of them have never even, you know, worked with the medicine. I'm a ketamine patient myself. I've had it prescribed. Not that that's a requirement, but it does allow for me to have insight into where someone's going. And so a lot of those practitioners that I've met, I find that they, they haven't experienced the medicine uh, in themselves. They don't quite have any awareness around like the the body, mind, spirit connection. So they truly are seeing it just like in the same linear space as like Prozac or Zoloft. And we have a protocol and this and that. Like when I'm working with my clients, I have my protocols, but then I'm also, you know, tweaking things and tuning things because, you know, there's like, I had somebody, you know, if I just follow the protocol, it would be like, this linear process. And sometimes it, like just having a sense on where a client is, I might go really, really low. I might go a little bit higher than like what my protocol is, you know, of course, keeping things really safe, but having that awareness of, you know, it's way more than just the dosing. And if it was just the dosing, it would, you know, there's so many times I give somebody the same dose and it's like, 
they could feel, you know, like they're completely in this expanded state and same dose, they can be like, oh, I barely felt it. So there's so much, you know, going on that's way more behind just simply the calculated dosing. But I do find a lot of those practitioners, it's just, it's not in their, you know, it's just not what they're aware of. Like I've heard stories of clients that are like, oh yeah, I was working on my laptop while receiving my ketamine journey. <laughs> and, you know, you know, and you, you mentioned IV being more intense and I'd say it, it's just different. Intramuscular actually might be more intense in some mm. way um, because you get the bolus, like you get the mm. like whole medicine in the very beginning and then it softens. IV is more of just a steady state, but absolutely it can be way more intense uh, too, just depending on how they're dosing it. So, oh, hello, Katie. <laughs> he, he periodically likes to, to be kind of behind the scenes on the Zoom. He'll show you his tail, but that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so a lot of it, I, I sense it's like, who, who are the practitioners that are choosing this? Like, what are they comfortable with? If they're, if they're not having like a, you know, kind of spiritual practice or a consciousness based practice or things like that, and they haven't explored it. Um, I imagine it would be challenging for them to, you know, offer that to a client when it's so, you know, not something that is in their, you know, repertoire. So, you know, having, practitioners that are offering this medicine, you know, for me, I would look for someone that, you know, is aware of all of those elements moving, but again, there might, you know, everyone kind of fits into their own. So there might be someone who's like, I don't want anything to do with that. I truly want to have this like very medical experience, um, you know, and that will, you know, have its own benefit and outcome. But I do find, you know, we have this, this medicine. And like I said, that's why I created a retreat because I was like, oh, the set and setting is so important. So much so that I created an entire program to really optimize it because I want my clients to have the best outcomes. And so that's why I, I created this whole, you know, essential, um, you know, way of working with the medicine so that before, during, and after the whole ride is really curated to, you know, move into the next one. Like I've had clients do breath work and they're like, whoa, the breath work opened so much for me. And then I moved into the ketamine and it's like, you know, every little thing uh, just builds onto the next one. Yeah, exactly. And so when people come to your retreats, tell us a little more about it. Like it's, I'm assuming it's more, it's multiple days, are they doing just one session of the ketamine? Or are they doing multiple sessions? How does that work? Yeah, so I'll do it typically having everyone receive three treatments. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, I find, you know, the first one, likely with all practitioners, it's like you're meeting the medicine, you're getting a sense, it's calculated based on your body weight. And so I'll have everyone, you know, work with that. I do offer boosters too. So it's like, if that first one, they're like, I'm not really feeling it. I, you know, will offer more medicine too. Um, and then a lot of my clients were titrating the doses upwards. And so they're getting more comfortable. They're relaxing into the space and we're progressing and increasing that, that medicine dose and that intensity level of disassociation and, you know, a state of just, you know, completely, um, you know, surrendering or allowing um, whatever it is that they're holding on to, to just let go. So, yeah, we'll do three different treatments and then, you know, pepper in all these different activities that are also there to optimize uh, the integration experience. So do you find there's a cumulative effect? 
I find that like one thing I'm always really aware of is I never want to like push an experience onto anybody because that can be really overwhelming to one system. <laughs> and this medicine has a capacity of really like more than I'd say like a lot of different psychedelics. This one in particular can really like have things dissolve in a very, <laughs> in a way that like, I'd say like psilocybin or LSD or MDMA just doesn't have that capacity to, to work. And so with that being said, like, I always really want people to choose it and not feel like they're at the effect of it. And so that's why I like to titrate, you know, for some people really slowly and gently. And some people are like, that was great. I want more, you know, I really feel like I'm, I'm moving through stuff. Like there's more here. If I can, you know, allow that higher dose, I sense that I can, you know, relax and, and move through, you know, whatever they're moving through. And so I do find, you know, in that progression, there is uh, a lot of value. And again, like starting off a little bit slower, meeting the medicine, getting comfortable, even just getting comfortable in the space. And then, you know, day three, when we're doing our third treatment, it's like, everyone knows you, everyone, you already, you kind of have a sense of what to expect. And one can really go pretty deep uh, with the medicine and with whatever they want to work with, because we've already built up that cumulative level of trust with themselves. And then, you know, with the external environment. Mm -hmm. So I have a question for you outside of the retreat setting. Do you also see clients or patients on a more regular basis, like in a, in your practice? Yeah. So I'm also, I work with lozenges. So that's you know, mailed at home and that is a different protocol and onset and also has fantastic benefit. And then I also will do house visits. I have a pop-up that I'm doing in New York city this weekend. So I feel like the, I'm like the traveling circus of <laughs> the traveling psychiatric circus of, you know, consciousness, <laughs> but you know, I, I'm, you know, traveling right now anyway, that's how it's looking. So, you know, I'll have a couple of private clients that I'll see throughout the country and, and do home visits. And I think it's also really lovely if I can come to someone's home because they can, you know, be in their bed. And it's just so lovely to like <laughs> not have to, you know, like we said in the clinical space, even like people getting in an Uber. And I've I've heard of clients being still like half in their medicine experience and you know, heading home. So I think if, you know, that's again, set and setting me coming to their home is just so lovely. They can just chill out, stay in their bed, stay in their PJs and, you know, take as much time as they require. Mm -hmm. And maybe have a little furry one as their companion. Oh, <laughs> I love the furry ones. <laughs> yeah. So we talked about ketamine's effectiveness for depression. Are there other mental health diagnoses or conditions that you find that this medicine has been particularly helpful for? Yeah, I also find for anxiety and PTSD or CPTSD as well. Mm -hmm. So with anxiety that, you know, ruminative thinking, it can, like, I've had clients tell me they're like, I just woke up and I, and it was more calm. I didn't have all the thoughts going on. And I hear that a lot. Mm -hmm. So even just to give reference, I'm seeing anywhere from, I'd say like five to 15 clients a day, all working with ketamine therapy. So I've been working with this medicine now. Uh, prescribing it and offering it for a few years. And I've been working with it, you know, even before that as an RN. So I've known this medicine for about four to five years now, worked with thousands of clients. So it's like, I hear it over and over again. It's like people with anxiety, they're like, oh, normally I'm really reactive with my partner. And I just, it's 
-hmm. normally I'm really anxious about work and I'm just, you know, or presentations or things like that. And they're coming and they're like, you know what, all of that, there's just a space of, of calm. And then with PTSD, with that trauma response or that perseveration or looping back to the past or that sensation of tension or feeling on edge, it's like their body is able to relax. Um, it was so lovely. I've never had this happen, but <laughs> the first day of my retreat, I had a, so typically the journey lasts about like an hour and a half to two hours. But I had two of my clients stay in the journey for like over three hours. And I was like, Hey guys, like, how are you doing? Um, and they, they both were like, they're like, I've just never felt more relaxed in my entire life. And they're like, and I finally could just be, and I was like, you know, you beautiful teachers right there. <laughs> it's like, I love how they just chose to luxuriate in that experience. And, and even for that, you know, one who has like a really heightened nervous system and always feels on edge. Again, I'd say ketamine compared to any other of the psychedelics, it creates just this complete space of relaxation and calm and the body can also relax into the space too. And so it can start to unwind even some of that physical tension and sensation in the body and start to create just a space of total relaxation. I've also had people tell me, they're like, I've never slept as good as I've ever slept, you know, since, you know, working with this medicine too. So again, that like rumination and, you know, staying up at night, thinking, uh, waking up in the middle of the night with racing thoughts. I do find that this also can support that space too. And do you find with the, the more regular clients that you see on a regular basis that they, that they need like, like multiple doses, like you kind of have to, like I had a client who was actually in a research study at Stanford and she was getting monthly infusions, right. To treat her depression. So how does it work with like, you kind of have to keep doing it versus maybe you do a series and then you, then you take a break versus one time you do it and everything changes. Like, how does all that work? So we have our protocols. I'd say like the, the gold standard is doing six treatments. Mm -hmm. uh, and there's different ways of doing that. A lot of people will do Monday, Wednesday, Friday times two over two weeks. You know, some people will do six in a row. Uh, but I, I really like to say, listen to your body, trust your body, right? There is value in terms of doing the repetition of the treatment. So it's like, if you think about like dipping a cloth and dye, right? It's like, you have the neuroplastic effects, you start to, you know, come back a little bit and you keep moving back and forth and getting that desired space, you know, whatever that looks like. And then one might move into a maintenance, which could look like every other week, every month, every quarter, once a year. Um, but I really like to say, you know, ask your body journal, notice what's shifting. Some people will start to notice like after, you know, three days that they start to, you know, come back. Some people will notice three weeks, they start to come back. I have, you know, someone that I also work with on a monthly basis. And they tell me they're like, you know, the third and a half week, <laughs> like when their, you know, anxiety starts to come back. So I'm like, great, let's, you know, work with the treatments at, you know, once a month, we don't have to do it every week. Um, but for some people, especially if they're really looking to have a tighter protocol or are in like an acute space of really trying to create a strong shift and change for those people, I would say, you know, doing it, you know, possibly Monday, Wednesday, Friday over, you know, a series of two weeks, or even, you know, once a week over six weeks, um, as a protocol I work with as well with other clients. So, uh, but again, I, I always like to, you know, 
be flexible and see what's what the body is showing, see, you know, how long the durability of the medicine is showing, because it's going to be different for everyone. So I like to, you know, have that conversation and just, you know, everyone's like, how many times do I have to do it? And I'm like, let's just, you know, let's see, let's see what the first, you know, first treatment creates, how long, you know, those post, you know, symptom effects last. And then, you know, that can be something that we can uh, allow to inform how we move forward with that. Mm-hmm. Well, everybody's body chemistry is so different, yeah. <laughs> right? And everyone's at a different stage of development and consciousness. Do you find that if people are doing other kinds of healing modalities, um, maybe therapy, maybe energy work, you know, whatever it is that they may be into, I know I do a lot with brain spotting or which is a derivative of EMDR. Do you find that these other kinds of therapies enhance the effects or that, or vice versa, that the medicine can work in conjunction with other kinds of therapies? Yeah, absolutely. Like I'll, I'll typically tell my clients to book a therapy appointment, you know, if they're working with a therapist the next day so that they can, you know, have that support because it, it is all, you know, it all plays on top of each other. It all exponent exponentializes. So, you know, you could do a ketamine treatment and then do, you know, a different type of modality or therapy. I, I, I'll never forget like this one practitioner, they were like, I love playing the guitar, you know, the next day, because I feel like I can, you know, pick up the guitar a lot quicker. So I, it's, you know, creating a space like, great. I have this window of neuroplasticity and what, what do I want to create? What do I want to invite in my life? Mm-hmm. So it might be, you know, working with different therapeutic modalities I'm like being in nature, yoga, meditation, you know, all these things. And I'll, I'll invite people to, you know, have a sense, like, what are the things that support them to feel their best? You know, what are the pieces that they like to choose? And then they can, you know, nourish themselves, maybe getting acupuncture or or a massage or, you know, again, like working with their therapist and having that kind of post, you know, um, you know, integrative support to start to, you know, allow if whatever comes up that they can start to, you know, have that, um, you know, different modalities implemented there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm a big fan of integration, integration of various therapies in general, right? Because I don't, I, I tend to think there's no one magic bullet for all of it. It kind of has to be like, you're approaching whatever you're wanting to work on through multiple, you know, practices that, you know, that, and I think that's great that we have so many that we can use nowadays. Now, I do want to bring up a more controversial topic, which is what about ketamine or other psychedelic assisted therapies for addiction? This is a big hot topic in my field right now, working in rehab, where you know there's some research that's showing that there's an efficacy here, and yet these drugs themselves can become a drug of abuse. So how, what's been your experience with that? What are your feelings about it? Yeah. So for me, I, I really like working with clients that are using this as a modality because I do find it to be very successful, but that set and setting is so important because that's what creates it as a therapy and a medicine versus, you know, like a, and a drug that can be abused. And so when we're having it in that medical space, like I've even had clients that have had ketamine addiction, you know, and then they come and they work with this medicine and they, just are in such a state of gratitude because it's like it's been demonized and then they can allow it to actually because they're, they're like there's something there in it and so it's to me like having the benefits of the medicine without the that like addictive piece that can come through with it because we're using it as a 
as a therapy. And so, you know, even people that are dealing with alcohol addiction, there's tons of research. And I've even had clients that weren't, you know, coming for alcohol are like, oh, I noticed that I'm just not drinking as much anymore. Is that a thing? And I'm like, actually it is. So it, it's, you know, can, again, it's, it's working with that rewiring. So it's like, if we're, if we have an addictive habit, you know, we go, do, 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 it starts to break that apart and then we have choice mm-hmm. and can even start to work through like, what is it that would have you choose this? And then what else would you like to choose? And so while we're in that space of, you know, working through whatever intention it is, and then post-experience starting to have that shift and how the, we're perceiving things and then welcoming and inviting in more of these healing modalities just allows for those to be chosen instead of that. And, and with that said, like, I will not take somebody who's, you know, like in a space of, you know, um, you know, withdrawal or things like that. So I do want to make sure that they're, you know, move, they've moved through that first wave. And then, you know, we can start to more have like a use ketamine as like a maintenance, like now that you're not choosing this substance, let's start to, you know, put in place other things that you can choose uh, and start to, you know, move in a different direction instead of, you know, now that you've just, you know, come out of rehab or whatever, um, you know, snapping back into that same old pattern. This is like, we've moved through that. And now like, what else is possible on the other side of this? Yeah, exactly. It's really fascinating stuff. And it's honestly kind of amazing to me, given, you know, that I started looking at all of this when I was a teenager and, you know, did like my very fresh first freshman year of college, I wrote a paper on the therapeutic uses of LSD and psychotherapy. And I was studying Stan Groff's work. And, you know, fast forward 10 years later, I actually met Stan Groff at a holotropic breathwork Mm -hmm. workshop. And then fast forward another however many years it's been. And here we are, actually, this is happening again. And there's been this massive resurgence, not just, you know, with ketamine, but there's so much research going on now with the MDMA, you know, which looks like it's going to probably be legalized and psilocybin and ayahuasca and some of these other more natural plant-based medicines are being decriminalized in places like San Francisco and Portland. And I'm not sure where else, but it's a growing movement as well with that. So it's, it's kind of mind boggling that we're living in these times. It's really interesting. Yeah. I think it was like a week ago, <laughs> it was like Prince Harry, like talking about his psychedelic experience on national news. And I'm like, we, we have turned a corner and <laughs> like psychedelics are not, are not going away. So no. And like anything, you know, it's a double, it can be a double-edged sword. It has many, many benefits. If used incorrectly or unsafely, it can do harm. But like, that's the whole point is I love that they're, and especially the way you're doing it, it's in this like very careful, safe, you know, thoughtful kind of way um, that is really trying to ensure the person is having um, a supported positive experience. And even if they do, I imagine people sometimes have bad trips, but at least there's support there to navigate through that experience. Um, and hopefully, you know, through the integration process, like glean some sort of awareness or some insight into whatever that was, or even healing from whatever. Cause I imagine people's traumas and different things might come up sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. And that also is part of what can be really beneficial of, you know, doing it over a series too. Mm -hmm. 
like we're moving through a journey and then, you know, each treatment opens a different door and then we're, you know, getting to the other side or many other sides of something. Yeah. It's really exciting. You're really on the cutting edge of some really, really cool stuff. So I'm curious, what, what do you see as the future for uh, these medicines and what would you like to see as far as like mental health treatment in, in America or in the world? Yeah, I, I've always been someone who's like, I love expansive exponential change. And I do find these medicines can really help. Like even, you know, once MDMA therapy is legalized, I, I'm like couples therapy with that is something that seems so interesting to me. Um, whether it, you know, not that it needs to bring like a couple together, but it, there's a level of, uh, you know, communication that can be, um, you know, where people can really he hear each other. You know, or, you know, you can really hear yourself or, you know, whatever is coming up. And so in the future, again, I do hear you. It is this like slippery slope. Someone asked me, they're like, you know, what if it was just, you know, available for everyone to have, right? And it's like, why do we have to put all these rules on it? Mm -hmm. uh, it should be available for everyone. And I was like, you know what, it's, it can, when not held and like, it's like people don't know what they don't know. And once you're in that space, and if you're not in a supportive environment, it can, it can really be dangerous. Mm -hmm. And so it would look like, you know, having a way where these medicines are held in some sort of, you know, container with trained professionals or some level of training. Um, and there's like an established way that one can, you know, move through this. And yeah, it's like, have this miraculously changed world <laughs> with ease and, and flow. And, um, yeah, I mean, I can even speak as for myself as like a, a ketamine client and, and what that's offered to me too, which I'm, I feel so lucky to be here in this lifetime to know this medicine, to receive this medicine and to offer this medicine. It's such a unique like time in, in history to be alive, especially working in the field of you know mental health and psychiatry. And so to continue to have you know, that space holding capacity, um, while also like keeping a heart space too. Cause it's like, you know, I know even like with the MDMA and the research and the this and the that, um, I sense sometimes it can be like, so, you know, <laughs> like research oriented, which is really important to create the efficacy and the approval and all of that. Um, but sometimes like I, I took this class on uh, like psychopharmacology and psychedelics and I just wanted to laugh the whole time because everyone was like so serious <laughs> as we were talking about it. Um, and I'm like, this is amazing. <laughs> so I, I think there's like this really interesting balance of like keeping the heart space, keeping the fun um, while also maintaining that space of safety, um, you know, awareness. Um, and, you know, and having that level of training while we're offering these medicines. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, this is really amazing. This conversation. Thank you so much. Shannon, if people want to find out more about you and about your work, where can they go? So you, in, the best place would be to check out florestaretreat.com. And there you'll see all of our retreats that we're offering and different pop-ups. And if you have questions, sometimes, you know, not everything is there for doing, you know, different one-offs around the U.S. and maybe someday the world, <laughs> maybe in 2024, you'll see us in other uh, international spaces. Um, and so I'd say go in there. 
um, you can contact us there and even booking an exploratory call. So I have, you know, my team there, if you have questions or just want to know more about ketamine therapy or what, you know, if a ketamine retreat might be a good fit for you, you can book a complimentary, you know, 10 to 15 minute exploratory call and chat with, you know, my team and get a sense of what that looks like. I'm always available too. So if you ever want to get a hold of me, just, you know, I'm, I can always hop on a call uh, as well. Um, and I'm happy to do that. And yeah, going through that website, uh, I'd say would be the best way to, you know, get a sense of like some of the offerings. Uh, we'll also be doing a breath work, uh, like a psychedelic breath work uh, uh, offering in New York in April. I'm going to look to actually do a ketamine couples retreat in April as well in New York. So it's exciting, to, you know, in a women's group. So I'll, I'll start to play around with different themed groups as well. And, um, you know, one other thing that you'll notice when you look, we didn't talk too much about is they also will work with, um, you know, indigenous medicines and floresta means forest in Portuguese. So I really do like to bring in this, this space of, um, you know, working with the earth and, you know, having song and movement and dance. And so, you know, when you, when you hop on that website, you'll also get a sense of that too. Wonderful. Thank you so much for everything you're doing and contributing to the world. Thank you so much for being on the call today. And um, thanks everyone for tuning in. If you like this podcast, please do share, like, comment, rate, do all the things that will get you know, this information out in the world because we want more people to know that there are other ways to address mental health issues. Um, and there's just a wealth of amazing tools and, and approaches of this being one of them. So thanks so much, Shannon. Thanks everyone for tuning Thank in. You. Bye-bye. See you next time. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Kaleidoscope of Possibilities, Alternative Perspectives on Mental Health. This has been Dr. Adriana Popescu. If you enjoyed this episode, please like and subscribe and share with others. To find out more about me, my guests, and more, please visit my website at adrianapopescu.org. See you next time.